Warning, the following podcast may contain phrases such as, My client uh, was bipedal. Three unwise men. Bum, bum, bum. With Frog, Grant, and Ryder. This is actually a brief that is on file in the Stevens County District Court. It's, uh, and it's t- it includes... It, it, it is an argument that my client is not a dog. <laughs> Did I, that's an argument I could win. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it just this reveals itself. Go right ahead. Right, right, right. Okay, so the city of Kettle Falls drafted this ordinance for dog bites. And it's a it's a municipal ordinance drafted by three rednecks up in Kettle Falls that don't know how the hell to write a law. Three so, other unwise men. So for for dog bites, like right, right. So you like can't in let case your, of werewolves or like. Well, no, no. You, it's don't let your dog bite people. Right. That's the general gist. They want to. It's a pretty simple concept. Yeah. Right. Right. Right, right. Okay. But they drafted the law, and this is this is a you know a lesson to all you writers out there to be very specific with your language, mm-hmm. and that applies doubly when you are drafting a law because <laughs> the law read. A dog shall not bite a person. Violation of this section is a misdemeanor. Okay. Now, if you think about that. Wait, a misdemeanor, so towards the dog. Right. So the oh. dog... It is impossible to violate this statute if you are not a dog. It nowhere said in the statute, a person shall not allow their dog to bite, right? It just said, a dog shall not bite a person. To do so is a misdemeanor. Violation of this section is a misdemeanor. So... So my client gets charged up with dog bite because her dog bites a person. Yeah. And... The dog. I pull the statute. Oh yeah. And this is everyone's just known that this statute exists, and it's been on the books for like 15 years, and no one has pointed this out yet. And I, I actually pull the statute and I read it, and I think you've got to be fucking kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get these opportunities as a lawyer, but when you do, you you never get the the opportunity to do something like this, right? You hear about people getting the opportunity to do something like this, but you never actually get it. So when it's you now here... You've got to go the full night. The moment is on you. Right. And so I drafted a massive legal memorandum. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sweeping... Right, right, right. Explaining why my client was not a dog. <laughs> Did you get to pull, like, expert testimony up? No, no, no. I, I, well, I didn't have to pull any testimony God, up. Right? I wish it was, you it was like all part of in. the all part of the... Um, just the briefing process, right? Because, you know, there are certain things in the law that, like... For instance, if a law... If a word isn't defined... Mm-hmm. In the law, it's assumed to have its common meaning. Right? Sure, yeah. And so I pulled the scientific meaning for dog <laughs> and went over the classification and compared it to my client. Like, so my client uh, was bipedal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, did you warn your client in advance, make sure to walk on two legs today? <laughs> yeah, like, you need to look, make sure. Look, what I need you to be is not a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do not be a bitch today. Yeah, whatever be, you do. <laughs> whatever you do, be as absolutely... Non-canine. Non-canine as possible. Like, cut your hair. Right, no, no, no. It, it was... But I, I, you never get that. You never get to explain to a judge what your client is not. Well, and what is the, this is one of those instances where law baffles me, right? Like, where common sense to me... I mean, because the law is a letter to the law. Right. But common sense... Is like a different animal and an entirely different animal. Yeah. We don't hold with common sense. <laughs> Clearly not. No. Yeah. But then when you, so it's one of those instances where the judge, I imagine has to balance. I mean, I know they have to go to let the letter of law, but like their facial expressions clearly like must betray their emotions, right? Like, like, or, or, or are they so well, just here, like desensitized? Here's the thing that judges are lawyers too and prosecutors are lawyers too. And as soon as I pointed it out, basically everyone said, oh, yeah, the statute reads that way. You've got to be a dog to violate it. Like, all of us basically agree. The prosecutor dismissed the case. We never even had to argue oh, the motion. Oh, okay, okay. Because it, it, it was patently obvious that the statute was just completely miswritten. Yeah, so it only applies. Right, it only applies to dogs. Did the... I mean, the thing is that can the dog this be is tried? A, this is a criminal statute, right? This is This is a thing that takes away many of your constitutional rights. And so... It, the the thing that the prosecutor has to prove is that you violated that statute specifically if they're going to put you in jail for it. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. Misdemeanor in Washington carries up to 90 days. 
Oh yeah, so you're incarcerated, right? I mean, it, it is it is a relatively serious thing. Oh yeah, uh, and so yeah, you've got to you've got to live up to the letter. It's not just oh, we all know what the statute meant. Yeah, like we know Bob, right? right. You know, like we know what the letter. You know, we know, we know what you were trying to say, the right? Spirit you don't get of to do the... that with with crimes. No, right? No. If you want to make something a crime, pretty much you've got to lay that shit out. Yeah, it's got to be very. It's like, got to be very specific. Like on the third moon. Right. Of the new century. Right. Okay. Uh, things like that. And so when it just says a dog shall not bite a person, well, you got to be a dog to violate the statute. And here's all the reasons why my client is not a dog. <laughs> so what wow. were, What was the, uh, when you presented that, I mean, yeah, they you said that they agreed that it right. was written that way, but what was their reaction? Oh, the prosecutor was pissed. <laughs> oh yeah he's because I, I mean whenever you find a loophole like that he's just like oh i can't believe you're i can't believe you're pulling this bullshit and obviously she's in violation of the station like obviously she's not she's not a dog yeah what do you mean obviously i look right here i look at her she's a human right and so he was pretty pissed off but he i mean he had to agree well what's he gonna do but what's what's great though what I, you know one of my resounding accomplishments from all that is that i actually got an emergency concession of these kettle falls city council called and they changed the statute because of <laughs> that's amazing and so that there is that law no longer exists on the books of of the city of kettle falls so Washington. you 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 killed a law i killed the law i killed a bad law but i killed the law there's so many of so you those. fought the law. The you law didn't win. win. You won. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's well. Sometimes that's the job. Isn't that a song? Yeah, I fought the kind law. Of. And the law won. Yeah, and that's usually the way it goes. By the way, <laughs> usually, yeah. I turned it around on you. But occasionally, <sighs> occasionally you get a statute that says a dog shall not bite a person. That's an amazing statute. I wish that statute still existed. And, and like when when I imagine that, I imagine a dog on trial. Right. Well, weren't there well, movies, that's, that's, Disney movies about that? Like Air Bud or whatever? Disney movie about everything at yeah. this point. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, although, you know, I think the, the Disney movie with the, the dog that was a criminal defendant would actually be really, like, you've got a, you know, what, you've got this well, dog who's like strung out on math. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Just drooling what? more than normal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, and like the, the prosecutor's like, "You look, he's unintelligible." Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's look at rabid. him. He is a golden retriever, yet he is drooling like a Rottweiler. Yeah. Well, the question I have though is like on those like. Let's take a second to talk about the actresses and actors that 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 actively act with animals on screen. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. How do you? I feel like that's the height of like professionalism because i feel like like i would well we don't see all the outtakes yeah but like even to agree to it oh sure like Like, to be like i'm going to like wasn't kuba gooden jr in something with some animal like a bear or something or wasn't he like up in the north like a like there's like the no i did a rod isn't he in the Iditarod movie how about eddie murphy in dr doolittle with well, Eddie Murphy will. Eddie Murphy brought us Norbit, so Eddie Nerf, Eddie Murphy has no no as, as no no ground to stand on. Or for. Robin Williams with Flubber, not one of his better. No, no. no but no. you think about there's no that Patch for a Adams. No, no Patch. Oh, Patch Adams was great. But when you when you talk about actors and actresses, I'm a fan of toys that have really? to yeah toys. That was pretty good. Mm, I like yeah, that movie. When you talk about actors and actresses that have to. Basically communicate with something that's not there. All you're really doing is conjuring up your childhood self. Because how many of us would play, you know, imagination or house or whatever? Sure. Yeah, but they get like, here's the thing, like people underestimate. Yeah, but people underestimate the amount of hours those people work though. Like they work, they're there at like six o'clock in the morning. Right, right, right. And like, can you imagine, like I get annoyed by the barking dog that like I don't like my livelihood isn't based on right you know like uh, this is my house right mortgage. so this this dog is about to fuck up take yeah eight, five take five takes right? yeah, yeah it's like oh yeah and, and like you can't tell him you can't be like fido pull it together it's like stop it's, taking a shit on the set yeah exactly <laughs> like what are you gonna do it's like it's fucking dog yeah you're just like god that's gonna be like the height of your professionals but also if there's any well we do know that hollywood follows us yeah right so we do know that we're followed heavily by hollywood if you are in hollywood Reach out to us and let mm-hmm. us know. Right, yeah. Working it, with animals. Is it feasible? Because I know nice. that they got rid of the monkey on Friends because it was just an absolutely... Flinging shit everywhere. Well, just a complete pain in the ass. That asshole. Like, well, right. It, it like, was a goddamn monkey. <laughs> what did they expect? Uh, I mean, it's it's not a like domesticated Maurice, animal. Maurice, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Well, how domesticated can a monkey possibly be? Uh, it, not very. Yeah. So, yeah, bring us bring us your comments about that if you've had to work with animals or if you only similar, if you're a Hollywood star. If though. you're a Hollywood star or because you uh, all follow us. If you have had silly legal trials that involve animals or if um, you or talk to us if you yourself are not an animal. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a good that's a good qualifier because we currently have zero t- people talking to us right now that are not animals. <laughs> Just, that's true. Yeah. We're <laughs> Today we're going to talk about show versus tell. Can you uh, guys give us a brief rundown of what that is? Oh wow, this is this is like the thing. But like <laughs> the it, you know, righty, I some I sometimes picture it as like well, you have the structure which is the house. And then you have the gears that turn, right? Right. And this is the engine. To me, this is like of the big gears. This is like, if not the big gear. It, it's certainly one of the biggest. It's son of, yeah, it's like in the mix. When when I am editing a manuscript, be it my own or someone else's, this is the thing that... It's, it is, to me, I think it's one of the most difficult. It is absolutely one of the most difficult to wrap your head around because it it is so nebulous, right? And, and anytime an editor is doing it, I'm like, oh, this is a tell. Give us a show. And trying to figure what out what does that mean? Yeah. What the so what hell is that? does that mean? Uh, takes a while uh, to get get your 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 feelers around that. There was an example I heard once that again I'm really good with remembering things, but not knowing where I got it. So this was a really good example I, I heard was uh, don't tell me the moon was shining, show me the glint of moonlight off the ice. Right. Oh, there you go. And that's like to me that's been like one of the guiding, you know, for me I, and I. I Forget it. Now I'm forgetting who to attribute to. Sure, of course. Um, Let's keep it around. Me. It was it was a matter of camera, right? Could yes. could a camera pick this up? Oh, that's a good way of viewing it, oh, right? Okay. So explain that more. Uh, okay, so well, I'll, t- I'll take your words. Go for it. Um, if Which I say I stole the, from someone else, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine. Good writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good writers borrow. Great writers steal out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so the the moon was shining. Well, that can a camera pick that up? Right? Can you take a camera and watch the moon shining? No. no. No, you cannot. No. It's it's something that the moon is doing, I guess, right? It's a statement that the moon is doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a state of existence, and a camera cannot pick up a state of existence. But the moonlight glinted off the ice across the water. It can pick that up. A camera can watch? Look at that. A camera could see that. Which means in your reader's visual... Right. They visualize this. Right. As opposed to being told it. Right. And this goes across, of course, we're using a visual right now, but this goes for all of the senses, right? Yes. And not just all of the senses, but he was angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. The way I always viewed it was you want to lead your reader to the water, but you want to let them drink. Right, 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 right. You don't, you know, so like you don't just tell them the conclusion of a thought, right? Right. He was angry. He was angry. No, his his brow furrowed, his cheeks grew red, his voice grew heightened, yes. and his his shoulders hunched up. Mm-hmm. Right, that's that's what happened. And of course, the reader's going to figure out. Oh well, that guy's pretty fucking angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy sounds like he's pissed off. Yeah, he's he's not having a good day. But he grew angry. Well, that doesn't. That's a tell, right? You are exactly. telling me that he grew angry. Could I see that in a camera? No. Could I watch him do all of these other things in a camera? Absolutely. And yes. by watching that, I would know what the hell was going on. And what's important about that is that's where your natural writing kind of voyeurism, as I call it, comes into play. Because as you're out and about and you're experiencing things and you're, you're seeing these things, kind of catalog, right? Like, not what happened, right? That's important. Yeah, we get it. Okay, so, yeah, car crash, terrible. But, like, dripping oil. Right. You know what I mean? What did you see? What, oh. how did they, how did people interact with the, what was body language like? One of the best dialogue things, um, I read was how they, with dialogue, of course, we have a segment we talked some about some tidbits either a little bit ago. And it was, um, you know, where you, you don't want to just like tell people things. The point though is like body language does a very good job of conveying things. Interestingly enough, when it's actually contrary to what someone's saying, mm. yes. you know what I mean? Because it's it's one of the things where it like now you're layering, right? So you're right. telling two stories at the same same time. You have the characters' actions are telling one story. They're right. seeing that. They're visually seeing that, and then they're saying something else, and that leads people to to like wonder and guess why did they they like do that? Because we naturally, as we look and deal with each other. 
we know that we're all like people have layers. Right. And when you when you betray that when when you kind of like put that on the page, right? Action doesn't necessarily match what someone's saying. No. It invites a question. In, in fact, it, it it not only invites the question, it almost provo- I mean, it invokes it almost. Well, when you yeah. when you've got someone, okay, so someone grows angry, right? But, sure. By by growing angry, I mean they you know their shoulders hunch. Yeah, yeah, they're visibly. But then angry. they say, "I forgive you." Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even though they're they're in this state that is clearly them being pissed. Yes. Right. You've got someone now who is taking all of that anger and bottling it. Mm-hmm. Right. You've now you've got a complex character. Mm-hmm. Where before you just had someone who was angry, right? Well, and that's part of the thing is you rob both your scene and your character and your reader ultimately of experience right. when you when you tell them the conclusion. Right. It is it is vital that your reader experience what is happening. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. A, and not that your writer is told what has happened. Yeah, because you're actually ultimately well, you're you're. It's like it's a book of spoilers. Right. That's the way to view it. The other way is if you do not, you know, I mean, and it's 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 easy to do that. Well, you know, of course, we have first drafts versus revisions, which we're going to oh, talk sure, about sure, another. Sure. There's sure going to be more than one conversation about that. But the point is, is that in the first drafts, you know, you put things in just for yourself. But, you know, as you go through and find that or if someone tells you you're showing and not telling here. Right. Right. What that basically is telling me is you're you're giving me a spoiler. I mean, right. You, you know make me earn it you've 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 put in a shortcut where there doesn't need to be one yeah 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 there's beautiful landscape and i'm I'm taking the i'm taking like the crappy tunnel right there, there's something there and i am just I, i'm missing it and your your book is less interesting as a result yeah and it's it's um and it becomes more more difficult and one of the big fine arts is when you're trying to do that and you're layering on backstory and oh, yeah. backstory is the big kind of, um, and the reason let's let's talk briefly about backstory in this respect. Right, right, right. It's it's once again something that's probably going to need to be its own segment. But yes, yeah, as a whole segment, sure. But like, it's a the point I'm trying to make is that like with it, oftentimes I see a lot of telling where people will put in, or and myself the natural inclination to do this put in i'm telling you something because i know you need to know it to understand what i'm about to actually describe right and mm-hmm. and the 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 quick hand term for doing this is of course the word info dump yes <laughs> which i'm sure you'll hear if you've done any kind of critiquing if you've done any kind of critiquing like this is an info, info dump. dump yes um which is not a good critique it and, is something that you need to deal with well and it's in and for my own writing i I came to realize one last thing with this which is like kind of the key to the show don't tell which is that don't underestimate your readers no that's like it really boils down to that like readers don't underestimate the conclusions that they will make right you know they'll make you know well they'll make right conclusions they'll make interesting conclusions and but the point is they're enjoying what you're writing so but the but the don't like, don't worry so much about some of that stuff. Like, are they going to get it? Let me give them the conclusion. It's a two-way trust. It's a right. two-way trust. Right, right, right. They need to trust you as an author. You need to you trust, trust them as a reader. Exactly. And you need to let them develop their own conclusion. And you know what? If they develop a different conclusion than the one you intended, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with it. The fact of the matter is, three people can see the same thing three different ways. Yes. And mm-hmm. if you have written a novel that can be seen three different ways, you've written an interesting fucking novel. You've run, in fact, you've written a fantastic novel. <laughs> you've written, you've written a novel worth worth discussing. Right. Because now now people are having online forum arguments and flaming each other because of your novel. That's how you know. That's how you know. Right. If there is a flame if war. If there's a flame war in a forum. Serial Pharrell loves. Yeah. Then you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know you've actually done it right. Right, no, no, no. If 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 there is a flame war form, you have you have done the description. Correct. Yeah, if there's like a, what did he mean by that? So conversely, then, just because you know, uh, for our listeners, I am not as well versed with the writing, so I tend to bring some of the more freshman topics and questions to this uh, to this table. Uh, my question for you is: Are there situations where, conversely, it is better to tell than show? Almost never. Um, yeah, there's one. I'm going to correct you. There's one moment. No, but there's one moment. The end. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) That's the sole moment that I feel that. No, no, no. I I think pretty much once you stop writing, that's the show. I don't think you need to put the words the end. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I always That's for old the films. End. No, I love it. Do you not do that? I don't do the end. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't. I don't really? It just ends. You don't put the, the the end. No, I pretty much think that once it's the last page of the book and there's nothing else there, the reader's is, gonna figure it, it out. It is mildly self evident, but the point I'm trying to make <laughs> is the point I'm trying to make is but you you don't type it? No. Really? No. I'm flabbergasted by this. No, we don't type the end. Not ever. I've never typed the end. Here's I my, have. Here's your here's my mission to you. This is my grant. This is we're gonna because I don't want to tell you what it feels like. I want to show you. <laughs> <laughs> Type the words the Type end. Type the end and tell me what you feel. All right. I'll, I'll do it. Because that's the end of the, end of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll the say end. the end at, for this. Right, or yeah. we'll, let you, we'll let you say it to, uh, to you know, get that, feeling, that feeling out there. Trust me. The, uh, the other thing that popped <laughs> into mind thing. with this was um, you know, we were talking about the car crash. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, we were talking about the car crash, and I did want to bring something up there. Mm-hmm. Another issue with this show versus tell is if you find yourself writing in the past perfect tense. Oh, yeah. You are probably oh, doing can you a give tell. An ex- th- yeah. Give an example. The car had crashed. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's right? the same element as was. It's just had is in there, and it's not descri- describing Well, what it that. was is it, yeah. It's it's similar. Um, but again, if, if it's describing an action that had happened, right? So your character wasn't there. You got a perspective character. It shows up on the scene later. Mm -hmm. And the car's crashed. But the character didn't watch the car crash. Right. The temptation is to say the car had veered off the side and smashed into Mm -hmm. the supporting beam of the overpass or something like that. You are are so far in the tellweeds at this point. You are so (laughs) completely far in the tellweeds. Because because what you're doing right now... You can have a very elaborate non-was tell... As long as you are an omniscient narrator. Right. But like the point is is like how far out though? Here's here's the thing. How far out now are you out of your character's you've, POV? You've killed your character's POV. Well, you may not have killed your character's POV because your character may be a forensic investigator and he arrives on the scene and he looks at the tread marks and he puts all this together immediately okay. and figures like it out. But you've got to watch the character do that. Yes. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, you you do. can't you can't if it's a Sherlock now then Sherlock is not a perspective character for this exact fucking this reason. This is exactly right. why it's all told through Watson. Watson does yep. all the telling. Watson mm-hmm. is your perspective character because if it were Sherlock, it would be fucking boring, right? You know, that'd be, <laughs> those would be the most boring books ever in the history. They would be the most boring books ever because Sherlock would show up and be like, oh, this is how it is. Now, how do I fuck with everyone around me? Yeah, that's literally all it would, would be. It'd be master-level trolling. It would It would just be your character running around trolling a whole bunch of people. Which is another... most of Sherlock is him being a dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, remember, that's always the importance of picking your POV. Right. That yeah. is that is a huge part of picking your POV. Because you want to have the person who tells the story the best, not necessarily the most interesting character. Right. And he becomes far more interesting from someone else's eyes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're having the perspective of someone that's comparable to the reader. Right. Conveying all of that stuff about what they're observing about Sherlock. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a connection. It's a conveyance. Exactly. It's a lot harder to connect a psychopath to a reader. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I had thought of about the car crash was that uh, when I've written stuff like that, I always felt that the most important piece of that crash should go last. Because we could, we could talk about the the glass had uh, spattered about or the, the body light slump in the in the car seat um but the most important piece of that is and there was oil trickling down the road towards a nearby flame or something like that it feels most important to me to make sure that that to add the tension the tension well it depends on why you've got a car crash yeah i mean yeah there are a hundred reasons why you have a car crash and if the drama of the scene is you know your main character's wife is dead in the passenger seat you don't need a a flame right no you certainly don't you need to have him run up to the car and start wailing and so the question is why or celebrating depending on what kind of (laughs) right yeah ding dong the witch is dead um (laughs) right well whatever your reason for the car crash that needs to be a part of it but Mm -hmm. it it doesn't always need to be impending doom well you have the well you have the rule does this serve the story? Right. Right. And now, theme, serves, theme sometimes serves the story, though. Right, right, right. And setting, but here's the but. If you've wrecked a car, you are doing it for a reason. Well, it goes to the weight. Right. It goes right. to the weight of what am I trying to pay attention to this scene. You right. need to have a hierarchy of your scene. A, a car crash is pretty high up there. Like, well, there's probably nothing else more interesting going on on that page. 
There could be. If there is. Right. Maybe one amazing. car has crashed because a tornado was heading down the interstate. Okay, now we've got something yeah. else. But Well, that point of tension, though, could be that either the oil is trickling down the road towards a fire or the last piece is, and he looked towards his wife in the passenger seat and did not see her moving. Well, again, yeah. are you using the car t- crash to build tension? Are you using it to relieve tension? Right. right. We don't know enough about this car crash to... Yeah. The, well, yeah. The point of uh, it's making sure that that advertisement that leads to that next bit of tension is at the end of that current paragraph. Well, if if once again you're not necessarily using a car crash to build tension, right? It's just it, it, it could be a conclusion. It could be right. a conclusion. There are all kinds of ways you could use a car crash, but whatever you're using it for, you need to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up, we're going to have ourselves another little break, and then we're going to be getting into you know the crazy stuff that you all have become accustomed to we shall return here in just a moment are you tired of your stocking slipping down do you want to stick to your partner more are things feeling more slippery than normal try stuck to you velcro lingerie for her now enjoy the amazing pavlovian sound of velcro tearing apart to arouse your significant other watch out 50 shades it's the Velcro Scratch to accessorize her snatch. Buy it at Three Unwise Men now. Welcome back to Three Unwise Men. He just had to pause and think about the name. Yeah, he did. That, <laughs> did you see that? He was That's four ir- eps in. Four eps in. <laughs> and he's like, well, what's the name of this damn show again? <laughs> Because there's a part of me that wants to say three wise men, and I know We're that's not the case. Just not no, even one no. is not the name, and two, it's certainly I, not the case. All you have to do is look over here and know yeah. this. <laughs> Fortunately, you can't as the listener. Right now, we're here with Francis Pauly, uh, who's written across multiple genres, uh, speculative, full of the fantastic, and quite often romantic at its core. Francis, welcome to the program, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> we should always do that that's a really good idea that is absolutely you know what and now i feel bad about not apologizing in advance yeah. to the last three weeks worth of people yeah or the audience go ahead Francis. sorry <laughs> well, i was just gonna say thank you for having me but maybe i should reserve that till the end yeah yeah, yeah you might want to hold judgment on yeah, that, one. that would be the prudent thing to do i would say right right so let's just jump right in and um I know you had an interesting experience at the burlesque show at Norwest Con. Mm-hmm. You want you want to you want to share that a little bit with the audience? You're just gonna dive right in. There. I'm just going just, straight for it. Yeah. Just going. We're just gonna accelerate straight into burlesque. We're just gonna guide it like right into the the, the core of the matter here. Right. Well, you have to qualify that it was a Game of Thrones uh, themed burlesque, but um, oh, lovely. Was it really? Like what did? It oh, go was, ahead. And it conceivably possible that I completely misunderstood the definition of of the word burlesque um mm. when i took my uh, very conservative um friend <laughs> to what i thought was going to be a drag you know sort of a maybe rated r slightly racy drag oh, show yeah. um which it was not obviously and we learned that really really quickly so with the- and then made a very subtle exit not so subtle giggling out the back door reaction <laughs> <laughs> so so it, was, it sounds like it was like the actual equivalence of when you're watching like a movie and you think it's okay and your parents are in the room exactly. and then like immediately like sex happens right exactly. for no reason maybe it wasn't quite immediately we had we had some warning um but but the best part was my friend was screaming down in front <laughs> uh, because we couldn't see you know and then and then we could and then we really really could and so then, oh yeah <laughs> and everything was clear what did you yes. what did you think it was prior now i'm actually like well, I thought it was a drag show, you know, I thought it was going to be kind of saucy mm-hmm. and, and maybe a little racy um I think I think it was both of those yeah, things. I think you've achieved yeah, those goals definitely, yeah, but it, it took it to a whole nother level that I guess I just didn't think ahead far enough you know i didn't I didn't think it through to the end, um and they certainly had so. oh yeah, <laughs> you actually saw the end literally yeah, and several several of them. <laughs> it was a fantastic show. I mean, it was very, very, uh, you know, high quality, and they've done a good job, and they put a ton of effort into Oh, they do the a great job with that show. I definitely would have probably opted out, especially considering who, you know, I was taking with me and maybe not gone 
Yeah, I was with uh, a friend. Did you from with the Fremont Solstice Parade? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well, whoa, all right. Yeah, <laughs> hey. Well, so that side originally, you know. Oh, are you? Okay, perfect. So yeah, we were uh, with them, and they had their children with us, not knowing what it was. And for, right. We're going to go to the parade. If you, yeah, if you, if for, to, to those who don't know what it is, it's a basically a nude bicycle run or like another. There's probably more behind it beyond that, but that's like as much as pretty much the eighty percent of what like people get out of bikes. It's naked people painted and oh, a lot of right. other things. Yeah, so it's not just naked, but they're like done up in various costumes. But I mean, nude is like the name of the game, and so it was. It was like watching this mom I was with, like she couldn't move her hands fast enough over her. She had three children, so she's missing a hand, right? Uh, so she's like, <laughs> she just can't, like, doesn't know who to block what for who and like for how long. And like, she was like, we need to go. And I was like, I'm, I'm watching like, like Shiva here, right? Like this like okay. Hindu goddess trying to cover everything up at once. It was pretty awesome. So. Uh, Some I, parental juggling going on there. It was pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I don't even have a response to that story, Grant. There like, is no one. What, 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 there, there like, <laughs> what response is there to that story? I can't top that one. No, yeah. Well, that, it's, there's no topic to Solstice Parade, except for the burlesque show, almost. Well, apparently. right. So, right. Yeah, I think they're probably on an equal footing there. Um, what, what did the Game of Thrones aspect bring to it, though? Like, was, like, was there... I mean, They were characters from... And I'd see, I'm not even a... This is probably illegal to admit on a, on a writerly uh, level, but I'm not a fan or a reader of game of thrones so mm-hmm. um i just admitted that out loud yeah uh, we won't tell my husband is so we'll edit that in post you know, yeah we, we no trust me videos. no we one's listening that. you're fine <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're fine yeah. but uh um but so they had the characters and you know they had the the like the first music was uh it was fantastic act it was a uh, gautier's song somebody that i used to know which is one of my favorites but they did oh, it yeah. to the characters that i used to know and it was about all the of course people that have been killed off over the course of the so like everybody series, but two. So. Yeah, and it's definitely on theme and, and and well done, just not not what I expected. <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> I tried to make that oh yeah seem like That was that was a very yeah. sleazy oh yeah. Did that did oh, I yeah. did I hit the mark? Well yeah. no, no you, I mean you, you can't compare to cheeseburger guy I over did. here, yeah. but I think that was the mark that the whole room was was sort of hitting. That was oh, the yeah. level of, you know, audience participation that we were slightly uncomfortable with so ah. yeah so yeah. It, was the, it was the participatory element that got because i went to one of I, I went to the they did a burlesque show this year but didn't in the past i think they've done a fetish show yeah and i yeah, went they, to that and that was actually really well i mean it's probably i think it was actually more covered than the burlesque show though ultimately but like it was it was well done okay here's where i admit that i actually haven't been to either of those and mm. I was up oh, getting dear. I was up getting drunk at the author's party like I don't even <laughs> And that leads us to another topic. I heard <laughs> I heard that you had a theory about secret green rooms. Oh, oh no, that was Michael's theory or, or Adrian's theory. Um but I do yeah, she's she's completely convinced that there's a a green room green room for the you know the next tier i don't know if you guys ever watched uh fraser but they went to a spa one time and they they got the gold card and got into the fancy corner and then they found out there was a platinum room you know above Mm -hmm. that so she's convinced there's like a a secondary super secret squirrel green room there yeah have you have you oh there is oh there is Is first and foremost yeah (laughs) it's always a hotel room though yeah exactly exactly we sort of accidentally stumbled into that um uh, at Radcon, which was really fun, it, it actually stumbled on us, and I I was out searching alcoholic beverages on a different floor, and I came back to our store and uh, walked in, and there was a ring of uh, authors, professional authors, sort of sitting on chairs in a ring facing the door, and and I st- walked in, and they're all sort of staring at me, and I, I thought it was an intervention. It was, it was, it was actually, <laughs> it yeah. was, yeah. Look. Right, um, yeah. Someone, For a moment, I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Well, but what again, happened just, was... Your someone, novels have ne- affected my life negatively in we the need following to talk ways. About <laughs> well, what it was is they had one author there that was not a fan of Game of Thrones. And so what they did was... <laughs> I just we need to talk. Yeah. Yes, yes. But no, so yeah, the, the secret green room. Like, you know what I've noticed about the secret green room? Is that not only is it a secret green room, it's like a tiered system. It really right. is. The further back you are in a green room, I feel like the more important you are. 
Well, it's 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 just if like you're a, in a sub room, it's even more so. Like if you're in a room off of the party room. Yes. You know? If you're yeah. in the bedroom part, like I I I I once like found myself like not by virtue of my skill or connections or in, or I'm particularly interesting. Actually, just because I was standing in the one spot where I got pushed into the room, like I was like <laughs> I was like oh, and I fell into the room, and it's like really important people are like now talking to you, and you're like hey important person so the the trick there is to just gaff it oh i did yeah yeah huh yeah well now we know but we know that this is also how 90 percent of grant's experiences in life happen as well pretty much well sure i mean well but how is it not though like isn't luck most of it like for i mean for everybody i agree i agree well i think you have to get a certain amount of skill and knowledge and to, to get into the game that's like your ticket and then beyond that it's luck well, it really is. I mean, and that's the thing. What was the, you know, there's a famous quote I'm going to butcher, isn't it, right? Where it says, like, the harder I work, the luckier I find myself. What's that? There's a quote, right? Someone, did there Google that can help us? Uh, I don't know. I don't let's, know. let's just go ahead and do the generic thing and attribute it to Winston Churchill. It was Winston. It was, yeah. it was right after D-Day. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, it was, when, in, when in doubt, attribute the quote to Winston Churchill. I generally find that I attribute most things to Winston Churchill. Well, sure. Um, you know, sliced bread. Really? Yeah. Only, only diagonal, though. Right. Francis, let me ask you a question. <laughs> this is an ongoing serious question. You make sandwiches, like, for yourself, like, when you're hungry, right? Yes. Okay. How do you cut? Do you cut your sandwich, or do you eat it, like, whole, like, just like a barbarian warlord? You mean, like, like a whole loaf of bread? I'm not quite that barbaric. Um Yes, the whole loaf of bread. I mean, what I'm asking is, do you... No, it's because I make my own bread. I actually make... uh, Oh. We don't do store-bought bread. So um, cutting bread is a big issue in my house. Oh, my, yeah. If you don't cut it right, you get, you know, this sort of wedge of bread or this crater. She's taking this to a whole new level. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you said serious questions. All all of my questions are serious. This one, most of all. When you have your sandwich... (laughs) Do you cut it horizontally the correct way? Or diagonally. diagonally. I, I cut horizontally, but oh, I do you now. Boo. I prefer my own sandwich diagonally. So if there's a diagonally sliced sandwich, that is definitely the better sandwich. There we go. What? It's much more effort, and I have children, so we just whack it right across the middle. Oh. Do you cut? So also. Now that's interesting because now we've got a laziness <laughs> argument for the horizontal. We do. So you're familiar with um, Voss, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So Voss instructed us when we talked to him uh, a while ago about this, and he said that you cut it diagonally because it saves more time. Like, it's because you don't have to measure it, right? It's like even halves. So it's actually a time-saving, like, element. Now, you are contradicting him viciously with your horizontal <laughs> it's not the first time. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, you have to line those corners up. Maybe my maybe my corner cuts are more precise, but I'm not really interested in you know fair sizes. I'm a parent and I'm hurrying, so that's right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe sometimes somebody gets a larger half than the other. I should probably check that. Well, but if- no, nobody's, nobody's filed a complaint. <laughs> Now you're going to be out with a ruler. Like, <laughs> or, it, it's like it's actually food evolution. She cuts them a little bit bigger, so like the fastest of the children, like it's the most food, right? Like if they're their first, they just grab the slice. Oh, I see. So you're going total survival of the fittest with your children? Absolutely. Okay, I don't blame you. I would too. It makes sense. Yeah, let the fittest, For like sure. Alexander the Great, to whom my kingdom. You might lose a couple on the way, but you will have very, very strong children at the end. I'm afraid of children already. Right. That's right. Fear yeah. me. I, yeah. we, we do. Yeah, we do. We rightfully, no doubt. We rightfully do. Wow. So you write many, many things. I do. I write too many things. No, there's no such thing. What's your... Um, well, maybe there is. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, let me, I guess let me preface that. What of your many, many things are you currently many, many writing? I don't know if that made any sense. Oh, currently, I am behind deadline on a... a science fiction romance novel the third book in my princes of the shroud series mm-hmm. it's actually science fiction with strong romantic tendencies which is how i kind of ride that genre fence um that's actually really interesting because my romance has strong sci-fi like in my real life <laughs> what 
<laughs> oh wait, no, 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 no. Yeah. The blow up doll doesn't I'm count. Not concerned about yeah, yeah. The, that's the yeah. No, it's go on, go on. <laughs> So that's occupying all of my writerly time. I have uh, four or five other projects I'd love to be working on. Not that I don't love this one, but once I get behind deadline, then I get sort of petulant. Mm. So um, for whatever reason, I'm kind of dragging my way through. It's close. I I love that getting behind deadline actually makes you drag slower. Isn't that terrible? It's true. Screw you and your deadlines. (laughs) I I actually know. Yeah, I've never been, uh, it's sort of a learning experience. I'm usually right on time and really prolific and so almost anxious. I have an anxiety disorder about making sure I'm on time. So this is like the first time I've been late and it's had a really weird sort of... Well, can I guess why? Yeah, go for it. Well, uh, beyond my other... (laughs) This is going to be good, folks. It's just... uh, This one's going to be deep. Are we all ready? Here we go. We're jumping right into this pool. It's because now it feels like work. Yeah, I think you're right. I- insert dramatic sound cue here. Yeah, this is... Just so you know, as we do this, we put the cues verbally here so both the... Everybody knows. And and our intent is to go back and fix it in post, and we never will. No, we're not. <laughs> no. Eventually, we'll have the technology in which we can do it live. But until such a said point, uh, we'll... I guess we'll just have to... Bum, bum, bum! Sure, manually. we could just sing stuff. Yeah. God, we would have no... Drum roll. If I... If I say, there'd be, there'd be nobody ever here. Well, there's nobody here to begin with, so we're okay. That's It's the three of us, and we're princess. all having a good Some time. Some unlucky though. person that happened to stumble into Skype. I mean, let's be honest about right. this. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so, now you say behind deadline. I Correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't you largely self-published? Or is there a, a publisher out there that's waiting for this? It's with the house. I, I crossed that fence, too. I have... Uh, I have uh, one series that runs with uh, an e-publisher, and then this. I have two series that run with a small press, um, Jarme Press, and then um, I do a lot of indie stuff too. So, okay. yeah, I'm kind of spreading it around there. You have, you have so uh, many books; it's hard to keep track of them. So. And, and, well, yeah, and. Uh, for some reason, you know, it's not for me. I have, uh, I, I keep thinking of new series, which isn't helpful when oh, I'm trying yeah. to, you know. So I have a queue that's branching like a family tree at this point um, of things to write next. So, so I noticed as I was reading your biography, <clears throat> that's kind of a strange here. You have hairless dogs, but a hairy spider. Because ordinary that, pets that deserves are explanation. <laughs> yeah, that that actually demands an explanation. <laughs> I I actually have eleven uh, tarantulas. Why? Um, because I, I mean, yes, a- they're beautiful. Go ahead. <laughs> Why? No, that's a that's an okay response. Um, I worked in the pet industry for a very long time, okay. and I've owned just about every kind of pet there is. And I just really. Does anyone else find the phrase "I worked in the pet industry" to be ominous? Yes. Yeah, it no, sounds no. like really like, like. So let me like let's not frame. as ominous as you think. No, I managed I I managed a, a pet chain pet so, store for quite a while. That didn't sound any better. That sounded that sounded just as like so you were down in the, the LA dock. Chain. There was like unnamed ships coming in in the middle of the night, and like exotic <laughs> animals in cages were well, like when, delivered when, onto you. No, no, no. It's it's when dogs misbehave, they get put on the chain. So like, oh, you know, uh, massa got me working. Uh, <laughs> whistling dogs, yeah, 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 like, like these dogs just burrowing, right? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to I mean, get that trench done today, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah wow. You got to put the dogs on the chain, and apparently Francis was running one of those. Gosh. Yeah. Now no. we're really afraid of her. Right. No, it's it's. <laughs> I'm not going to correct that then. Yeah. That's I'm not gonna, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> just let that ride. Just let that ride. Uh, no, but so I've had, you know, lizards. That explains the hairless dogs. Lizards, the hairless dogs, yeah. I actually show, uh, I show hairless dogs. And I'm the vice president of the National Breed Club for the Peruvian Inca Orchid. What, the what? It's uh, the basically the the native name translate as dog without hair from Peru. That's a very literal translation. I get it. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> and can I guess where this dog is from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go for it. Chile. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Did I get it? Was I right? No. Close. You, were, you were close. close. I'm yeah. going to go with Bolivia. You're closer. Right. Nicaragua? 
wrong continent. Damn it! I know you're, you're totally off. I'm just going to. So, but you have hairless dogs. I do. And you're like, but what's the particular appeal? Yeah, like what what drew you to them versus like a lab? Yeah, Al- like the furry dogs that like cuddle. Well, I'd like to say allergies. Allergies played a part in that. I can't have a I can't have a furry dog. Oh. But uh, I've always liked weird pets. I mean, I have eleven tarantulas. I've had snakes, so it's allergies are a great excuse. Um, so they're real dogs. They're uh, they're just different. So they're like the Benadryl of the dog world. <laughs> yes, that's like, so good. What's, the, what's their behavior like? Are they are they are they mean? They're, are they? Oh no, they're oh, they're me- a little bit feral. They're a primitive breed, but they're sight hounds, oh, so really? they're really fast and really playful. It's kind of like having a bunch of ferrets. Uh, and a really active ferrets. But, really big but, active ferrets. Have you ever been like walking one and like everybody else looks at it like like as if you are walking a hellhound like right from or do they like people look at it and they're like, Oh, I want to pet it? No, they're they're usually really hesitant. They do look like a hellhound. Um <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to get really awesome tattoos on your dogs? Ooh. No, because I'm an animal welfare activist. Oh, okay. But I have oh. been I have been very tempted to paint. Oh, are they not? Oh, sure. yeah, see. Yeah. Oh, wait, are they not into the tattoos? Is that not? My rabbit has a tattoo in his ear. <laughs> really? Yeah, marks him. Wow. Right. You have a right. rabbit? Yeah. So, well, like, it's, essentially. It's a house rabbit. Yeah, it's a house rabbit, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, well, a Flemish giant. What's, is it purr? Tell me they purr. Uh, it grinds its teeth when it's happy, and it dances a lot. It dances. Oh, yeah. Like a Klingon. Have you ever seen, like, so in your time in the pet world underground, did you um, go into, like, a place where there's just a bunch of rabbits tap dancing around? No. Like, does Is this the, the super secret green room? Oh, boy. No, there's an island in Japan. <laughs> this is the illegal green room. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually an island off Japan that is that is the, the place that Grant is talking about. Oh, yeah. I see. Dancing what, rabbit, Fukushima, the yeah. the the, the, the reactor. Yeah. What is this? Well, it's not Fukushima. It's a, but no, there's a, there's Rabbit Island. Oh, you're right. Is there a Cat Island too? I don't know. No, there's like a picture of. Do, like, I, do I look like I care about cats? I, well, I don't know. I didn't know you care about rabbits until ten seconds ago. Well, okay, forty five seconds ago. Forty five. Son of a <laughs> <laughs> asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One guy with the watch. Right. Yeah. yeah. Stupid Art. producer. <laughs> So yeah, you're um, in addition. So like one of the things, see, we 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 don't believe in proper segues. So we're just going to jump right into another topic. Um, awesome. The um, one of the big things for me, um, I think, for a lot of people when they read fantasy or get involved in fantasy, sci-fi, um, is in one way, shape, or form the uh, the escapism of it, and kind exactly. of the gentle rep- reprieve from what are often like really negative environments. Um, and that's something that's like near and dear to me, um, both when I was reading it and, you know, you growing up sucks for everybody. Like no one grows up and is like, wow, that was a, a great experience. I wish I can be a teenager all the time. Like who, no one does that. <laughs> so like it's just, or the one guy that that does and we all hate him cause he's still at the bar. But well, all, all the people that are thinking that are, you know. Broke down, living in trailers exactly. with guts that are hanging out over their torn off jeans. Exactly, I mean, they're still in high school. Right, they're, they're, they're still in. Those high are school. the people that still wish they were teenagers. Right, they were quarterbacks of the football team back then. Exactly, listening to uh, Guns and Roses and driving in their Trans Am. Right, right. <laughs> that sounds kind of rad. What am I talking? Never mind. So I'm going to go back to that. Um, but no, yeah, for you, like how? Do, like, I mean, the must, how does that mean for you? I guess what is that like? Does that play a part in what you do? To me, that's what holds it together. Um, I kind of did a blog post on this. I think it was up yesterday on the Jarmé blog. Um, I never saw a difference, a huge difference, between uh, sci-fi and fantasy. And I think, as a reader, that's because that's exactly why you know I was seeking out those books was uh, for the escape in into the imaginative world or a different world. And it didn't really make a difference to me if it was a you know another planet or uh, you know another kingdom. Um, because the the payoff was still the same. It was that fantastic, out of my ordinary realm of existence, and so um, it was never it was never difficult for me as a reader to flip back and forth. And I haven't, as a writer, sometimes I feel like you know slinging spells, and sometimes I want spaceships and laser guns. And um, 
I never felt that they were at odds. It, it took me by surprise the first time I did a newspaper interview. The reporter was just sort of flabbergasted that I wrote both. And I didn't understand that there were people out there that didn't read both, you know, that didn't write both. So it was kind of an eye-opener for me. It seemed like that escape and the, the, the exactly what you described, that getting into another world and having that experience was what held it all together and made it all sort of the same. And do you find yourself, like, using, like, as you write, is that part of a guiding light in any way, shape, or form? Like, do you feel like it influences you now as a creator? I do. I'm not sure it's as conscious, you know, uh, because as a creator now I'm getting into things like, you know, character arcs and plot development. And and the world building comes really early Mm -hmm. uh, in the game. But, yeah, you know, I want to build something that's... uh, that's fun for the reader and that's different enough that they can they can get that payoff from it absolutely and and sometimes that that different world isn't isn't as mundane as the as the world itself it's a, it's about you know heroic behavior and and larger than life themes and things um, I think you can get the same experience because you're living in a, in a character's shoes that maybe is is bigger than life or that doesn't behave the way you would um, I think that's why we read fiction really. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So I've, I, I did want to ask you about uh, the Moses Lake Muses as a whole, because this is kind of this, and we had Voss on the show a couple weeks back, um, and he, he, I know he's a part of this. We didn't really get into it with him, but um, it seems, looking at you from the outside, that you've essentially adopted a number of other writers as your, your pseudo-children. <laughs> <laughs> Is that accurate? And how did that come about? Sandwiches. <laughs> Sandwiches help. No. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we're a really supportive uh, group. And we are not a traditional critique group. Um, we like to think, and I think that we do pretty successfully uh, give each other honest feedback. You know, and, and, and actually satisfy that piece of it too but a huge amount of what we do is uh you know helping people maybe just starting out or the members that are new you know learn the ropes and learn the business and and so yeah there is um we have like i I don't want to say tiered because that brings it back to the secret uh green room (laughs) level but uh we're all at different places yeah we're all at different places in the process and some of us have been doing it for a while and some of us have just started and um i think that's where that feeling comes from but we're we're really uh, i think really there for each other you know be it personally professionally i think it's why we've lasted um and why it's fun to go to group and it's recharging to go to group and refreshing and it makes you want to write um you know not that we don't go through our ups and downs but um so yeah we have we have a very diverse cross-section so how did that get started because that's i mean every time i go to a con where the muses are it's always kind of fun to watch yeah moses lake because i'm from eastern i've done i've spent a lot of time in eastern washington that's uh it seems like you would need to know about it to find it almost, wasn't it? Or did you guys stumble across each other in a cafe or something? Well, that city is something out of a T.S. Eliot poem, right? That place yes. is the wasteland. Yeah, it is. It's definitely the middle of nowhere. And um, people don't usually come here unless forced. Um, but I, <laughs> I well, met Adrian. Let's see. I met Adrian through a mutual friend who knew we were both writing books. And we got together and we started doing a writer's group in my living room. Um, and we were just doing exercises and uh, writing and trying to get our books written. And this was way back before I knew anything about anything. Um, and I guess that's why I like having, you know, people that are new. Because if I look at myself six years ago, it's embarrassing how little, you know, how much I had wrong. Well, it's so crazy. And how little I knew. Yeah. So, um, and then we, most of those members have either gone or I think we're the only two that are still in the group but every year we do NaNoWriMo and that was Adrian's fault she found that and I thought she was insane and uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought she was completely nuts and because uh, it took me years to write my first book and then uh, she's like let's write one in 30 days um, but we did it and we, we loved it and we did it every year and we'd sort of gather because we ended up being I ended up being the municipal liaison for the area and we'd meet you know new authors and uh, every every year one or two of them would really fit mm-hmm the group and we'd sort of we still sort of you know indoctrinate the the few that sort of 
seem to belong in the group every year, and it's just kind of grown from there. Yeah, I spent some time right up in that area, actually a place called Connell. I don't know uh-huh, if you're familiar yeah. with it. Yeah, so I know that's actually where I finished my first. I definitely remember like finishing it my first ever, not knowing what I'm doing and going, now what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have no idea. I have a pile of words there in front of me. I have no idea whether they're worth a damn. And that's one of the things. Do you notice when you go back to look at your own stuff, you're talking about six years years ago, you go back to look now, I, at least I find this experience. I look back and I'm like, holy God, like you, like you don't imagine change while you're doing it. You know, you're writing, you're like, God, I'm not getting better at this thing. Like I should just never, ever touch a keyboard again. And then, you look at what you wrote six years ago, and you're like, ah, "Never mind." <laughs> and it's yeah, it's always really painful. I always, you know, have that moment where I have to kill myself now. Yeah, uh, because people actually saw this. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have the you have stuff out though. You you have stuff published from I know, six years yeah. ago, so you're you're married to it. Well, thankfully, the first novel, um, which you know, still I still have that sort of slightly cringe um, because the writing has changed. But thankfully, the first novel found an editor that was really. Um, really uh willing to give feedback you know and say okay not only am i not going to take it but these are here's a list of why and uh and she's the one that ended up buying it after i revised it so it helped that book a great deal and it helped me because then i realized you know that was sort of the moment when the light bulb went on and i realized yeah hollywood's not going to call tomorrow you know i have some work to do so. <laughs> What's weird about that is Hollywood is actually. I was talking to them a couple of minutes ago, and they're very interested in talking to you tomorrow. Brilliant, brilliant! I'll wait. I'll wait by the phone. Well, there, there's a rumor that Tom Hiddleston is coming on the show next week, and we may get him for the lead. Yeah, but <laughs> it's uh, it's still in the works. Um, I have, I actually have a uh, a very very serious question that I wanted to ask you. Um, in your description here in your biography, you mentioned abysmal ukulele playing mm. yeah. which is the best kind of ukulele yeah i, I agree <laughs> really <weird. laughs> is there good is there good does someone like what's the scale of comparison <laughs> have you there ever been is, actually have you ever heard is no i don't is oh uh, look up is iz oh um, he's the sure uh, sure hawaiian player is. who did like uh, what a wonderful world and stuff what, right? how do you know this like how are you like Musician? oh yeah oh Musician? yeah is of course of course i know who this is yeah no i know who that is he uh he died a few years back from okay. uh, enlarged heart right what, what? <laughs> who are you what is this <laughs> hey i know my stuff <laughs> you guys know books i know everything else apparently <laughs> Like a large, you're his doctor. What is it? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Now, how do how do you know that's about a Hawaiian ukulele player? <laughs> like, okay, Francis, am I right? You're right, and he's actually what? really. really Where am I? <laughs> he's okay. He does some actually really good songs. I'll show them to you later. But the mm-hmm. the, the question that I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. did you hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we're, the two of us are out of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you snap? Like, I felt like she was. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> um, he does. It's the, it's the three snap, high, medium, low. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you better just, listen. You better yeah. listen. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Ukulele player, Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. So, what would be? the best Led Zeppelin song to play on ukulele. Oh, my gosh. Um, Black Dog. Now I'm going to show my ignorance of Led Zeppelin. What's the one? You don't know it's what really <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. I can't, I can't deal. I can't. My brain's broken now. So Hawaiian ukulele players, we're all over it. Well, they're like, Led Zeppelin song. Wait, I can't. Nothing. Yeah, I love that they're like, oh, well, he died. You know, they like have his enlarged address. Heart. Enlarged heart. Like, there's no way. And then like, Led Zeppelin. Mm, I'm going to no, have to really reach here. <laughs> Are you thinking of Stairway to Heaven? No. Okay. No, I'm thinking of the one they did based on the role playing the Land of Ice and Snow. I just don't know the right title. I'm horrible with names, but I know what you're talking about. Unlike okay, these schmucks was- over here. Y- yeah, the foolish two guys who don't know the Hawaiian ukulele player. <laughs> what were we thinking? How do we make it through the day? Don't judge me. It's okay, Francis. <laughs> I-, I understand you. I, high, five. high five! High five! He, what you missed here, mm. what you just missed, because we're not on uh, visual whatever. He actually raised his hand. <laughs> he, he raised it to the air. No, he's he's slapping the computer screen on that one. Yeah, yeah. 
And on that note, he uh, does that a lot, I imagine. We should end this. When we <laughs> yeah. do this, we're going to end it. We're going to fade out with the ukulele guy that you guys yeah. are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, de- we're definitely yeah. overlaying ukulele music. Oh, no, play. he did uh, also the song from. Uh, How do you. What? Uh, what was the. Wizard of Oz? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I'll show you guys. Anyway, sure. Didn't, didn't he win the Best of Maui Award for I that? think he did. <laughs> If I recall properly, the 1985 right, right, Nobel right, right, right. Prize. Right. So I've, I've kind of muted their microphone. So uh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> um, Francis, it's been an absolute blast having you on here. Uh, we are at our 30 minute mark. Um, if any of you listeners are wanting to check out Francis Pauly, you can check her out at FrancisPauly.com. F R A N C E S P A U L I.com. Francis, have an excellent afternoon, and thank you so much for coming out here. On the next episode of Three Unwise Men. We, he had multiple cheeseburgers that, that, that I did, day. actually. I went on a fucking frenzy. Yeah, he had like... <laughs>